When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to East Meets West. It's a hot summer day and the hottest tournament in wrestling has finally concluded. The G1 Climax, another grilling month of the G1 Climax has come to an end. We know who will now go on to face IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom 18. And we've had a bunch of stellar matches to talk about. We're here to break everything down from the four blocks of the G1, who went through from each block, who ended up going to the final, and what we think of the outcome. But joining me, as, as always, is the man who is equally as perturbed about Evil's success in this year's tournament, as, as I am. He is Grant McRobbie. Hello, Grant. It is a pleasure to be back to discuss the greatest tournament of the year, and boo Evil. Boo that <laughs> fucking man. Yes. <laughs> This seems weird that I can hear someone say, yeah, boo, evil. No, not the concept, the man. The man called evil. <laughs> He's real and he can hurt you too. <laughs> evil has a face. And it's a face uh, of a bastard. <laughs> yeah, that's always, uh, as we talked about in our preview show uh, about a month ago, there are four blocks of this tournament uh, with about eight people in each block for a field of 32 which means there's a lot more to, to cover than usual. But I wonder if I was asked, Grant, what did you think of the, the format they had this year in terms of one night it was A and B blocks, so you had about eight or so matches each night, and then all block matches the next night was C and, uh, C and D block. How did you find that format as compared to the usual A and B blocks? I actually did like the four-block format. Setting up quarters, semi-finals, it made it easier to give better stories I, I generally liked it. I thought it was quite fun. Yeah, I liked it better than how they did it last year. I mean, they added an extra person to each block. They added out the field because I think it was around 28 or so last year, now it's 32. And I think the thing that's a big improvement from last year is that they seem to have, oh, well, choose a random A block and D block and C block and B block match for every day, which means it can be a week and a half between some people's matches. And then they have like three matches in a row towards the end. So having like on and off A, a and B block and then C and D block uh, actually made it 
you know, more entertaining. And also, you forewent the, the like, preview tags or the random tag matches until the last few days where I liked, when it came to, like, okay, now we determine who goes through. We have a block just for A block, just for B block, just for C block, just for D block. So, the, uh, so it meant that every, each one of those nights mattered in its own way. Yeah, it did. It did feel that it gave it more brevity in what they were trying to approach with it. So, I, mean, I, I would, I would be all for this format returning again if they're going to keep it to the mega stacked thirty-two man field. Which, let's be honest, the talent available to New Japan these days, and despite the fact that some people were not on the card, mm-hmm. they could do it easily. I'm looking at you, Chase Owens. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you go back to the two block format. Feel free to continue doing the thing that you started doing because of COVID, but keep, feel free to keep on the whole insistence on just focusing on B, on uh, on block matches each night rather than preview tag matches because I could do without those. Uh, even if you just have one match involving a young line getting battered then into the block matches, that's fine. So obviously when I got to the quarters and the semis, I actually started skipping most of the, the undercard tag matches because I was already behind and like, I need to get to the finals the final day as soon as possible. I, mean, I watched the full day of the final because I wanted to see what some of those matches would set up title-wise for the next tour. But I skipped it during the quarters and semis because the further longer it took me to get to the finals, the more time, more likely it was I was going to have the bloody winner spoiled and I couldn't have that. That's it. It's, it did get quite quite stacked at that point. And, you know, there is a lot. I think uh, Kevin Kelly's good friend Chris Samsa put up a simplified thing on Twitter for anyone that needed it and it was like a breakdown of here is every story coming out of the G1 and every potential upcoming title feud. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. I meant to make a note of some of them, and I believe they got out of time because there are so many uh, to talk about. But the thing is, at the time recorded, they haven't even announced anything officially for the Destruction Tour, which is the next tour, which will go all through September, starting on the 8th. But uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a different episode, so by then we'll have enough stuff to preview. But we've got enough on our plate as it is here. I'm going to go through the, the actual stats of each block, where everyone finished and who went through, and then we are going to talk about our eight block uh, finalists, which will then and how each of their their journey went, and this will help give us an idea of the tournament as a whole, rather than doing the two finals like we usually do because they decided to change things up this year. And I'm going to try not to read this like the guy reading the football scores on Sky Sports. <laughs> Sonata, seven wins, zero losses, 14 points, top of A block. Oh, wait. place. Nicoleo, <laughs> <laughs> at home, three wins. <laughs> Evil, get to fuck. Right, Sonata. With top of A block, 7 wins, 0 defeats, 14 points. Hikaleo was second in B block because it's the two, top two who advance. Hikaleo, 4 wins, 3 losses, 8 points. Jota Umino, 2 wins, 3 losses, 2 draws, 6 points. Jota Suji, 3 wins, 3 losses, 1 draw, 7 points. Kaito Kiyomiya, 2 wins, 3 losses, 2 draws, 6 points. Renaria, also 2 wins, 3 losses, and 2 draws at 6 points. Gabe Kidd, Two wins, four losses, one draw, five points. Chase Owens, two wins, five losses, four points. B-Block. Okada, six wins, one loss, 12 points. Will Ospreay, five wins, two losses, 10 points. ELP, uh, ELP, Kenta, Taichi, and the Great Okan, and Tangaloa all got 
three wins and four losses. You can put them all at six points. With Yoshihashi all the way down to the bottom, two wins, five five losses, four points. Evil, Evil and Finlay both had five wins and two losses each, so they both went through on ten points. Tamatonga, four wins, two losses, one draw, just narrowly missing out on qualifying, nine points. Eddie Kingston, four wins, three losses, eight points. Shingo Takagi, three wins, three losses, one draw, seven points. Hanade and Mikey Nichols and Tomohiro Ishii all at the bottom, two wins, five losses at four points. And the D block, Naito and ZSA went through with five wins, two losses each at ten points. Jeff Cobb, four wins, two losses, one draw, nine points. Tanahashi, Goto and Alex Coughlin, three wins, four losses, six points each. Shane Haste, two wins, four losses, one draw, five points. Toriano, four wins, Two wins, four losses at five points. So four points. Should be four points. I put five points for some reason. <laughs> so yeah, your four final, your eight finals were from Abel Sanada and Hikaleo, Okada and Osprey, David Finlay and Evil, Naito and ZSJ. As I take a, a breath there. I would like to throw an honourable mention for Shane Haste in his hat. <laughs> oh, what a glorious hat. <laughs> <laughs> the official best dressed at the at the G1 press conference. Speaking of bread after that reading, when I read out you know, the point scoring as well as like who went through from each ball, what immediately stands out to you, Grant? The big the big sort of shocks to me that stand out were things like Hiko Leo making it through the quarters. Big shock. Mm-hmm. Evil making it to the to the to the finals. Those two in particular stood out to me. Hikaleo and Evil, I was like, really? Mm-hmm. Um, they, those were the sort of show. The rest of them, honestly not too surprised by. Finlay's been kind of built up in a certain way. Sonada, my man. My man! <laughs> Okada, well, mm, well, Okada wins. <laughs> and o- Osprey, I mean, he he deserved he he was a, a no brainer for qualification. So I felt like they had, in some ways, you could argue of the set of the the quarter finalists, they maybe went a little bit too safe in some points, which we will talk about the safeness of the booking later on. But uh-huh. overall, you know, the points A block was a clear winner by an absolute mile, but the, the other blocks felt a little bit more competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think most of these you could probably see them going through. Looking at a uh, at C block, I think David Finlay was a, probably a no brainer, you know, finalist in this year's New Japan Cup leader of Bullet Club. They're really investing in him in this new version of Bullet Club. You've got it's a never open weight champion, but it's amazing when you look at stack C block as you had Shingo and Tamatonga, even Eddie Kingston, I think a lot there are quite a few people who are actually disappointed not to see Eddie go through. You know, from being from AEW, strong open weight champion. I think you need one or two people. You know, you can't have all your favourite scores, so you need that sense of dread going into the later stages. And I think that was Evil's purpose. That is Evil's main purpose. He is the designated oh god, not him, no competitor <laughs> in New Japan. Ah, that's it. Evil was your was your definitely. What really annoys me the entire tournament, and we've not we're not talking about that match yet. So I'll only briefly mention it. But there's one match in particular in the last few minutes of it, the old evil appeared for about five minutes. And I was so angry because I was like, where the fuck have you been? 
<laughs> Let's look at Abel, I'll say Hikaleo and Sonata. Sonata being the only person out of the eight finalists to have not one loss. Obviously, you know, in a G1, even though you know the champion's not going to win, you've got to keep the champion strong. And not one loss, so not one person from that block's getting a title shot between now and, and Wrestle Kingdom. But I was shocked that he actually was so dominant. You know, he's in like, he's early 30, I think he's about 33, 34 as Sonata. Most of the guys in the, with the exception of Tito, most of the guys in the A block were around about their mid-20s. So he's not that much older than them, but by comparison, and being the world champion, he was a veteran compared to both of these. So it kind of explains you know, why he was able to kind of outlast everyone else in the block. The most danger he's probably in was another guy who has world championship experience in Kaito Kimia. And I went on record, I said to you in our, in our chat, I think it's actually the best match that Sinatra's had as champion was the match against Kaito Kimia, where he pinned him with two seconds left in the time limit. I. I can I can agree with that. The um, Kiyoyama match was absolutely fantastic. The three Musketeers all being in that block, none of them particularly scored pr- pr- pretty much highly, but mm. they all looked really impressive by the end of it. In particular, in particular, huge huge. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I loved huge huge. I think out of the matches, some of the matches that I knew were coming in about the midpoint, I was looking forward to seeing a rematch between him and Sanada. Because I actually thought maybe they'd give him his win back on Sonata, maybe keep, try and run that again. Keep the whole Sonata v LIG thing going. I think it was weird. Like, I still maintain it was a weird decision to have all three of these new like Musketeers being in the one block. But I think my favourite match out of the two of them was probably the one from the first night, which was Ren Narita versus Shota. You know, and as the thing it was most of the uh, Musketeers against each other that they kept going to draws. Which I think is a case of like the, the idea of New Japan maybe not picking one over the other just yet, but they're showing that these guys are maybe as good as each other, but they all still have a long ways to go. Yeah, that's it. It was it was a good way to, and I mean, I read a, a, an interesting article that made a point of like the original Musketeers were Tanahashi, Shibata, Nakamura. Throughout 2020, the 2010s, you could have argued that it could have been Naito, Okada, and Omega, but for whatever reason they didn't get that and now we've got these three and you can pretty much see Shota is your new Tanahashi well Narita could it be any more obvious mm-hmm. of course of course he's he's Shibata and Suji does have comparisons to Nakamura and I can see something being built out of the three of them Suji impressed me the most and Narita I felt regressed a little bit as the tournament went on mm. yeah and they made a point that during the tag matches like and maybe the idea that Suzuki's a bit disappointed in him and his efforts during the tournament. But yeah, it does seem like also the obvious Shibata influence with uh, Ren Narita. The tam- like, from the back, if they're in the same time, especially I can't tell who's who if like either Tanahashi or Shotaran was facing their back to the camera because they look very similar hair-wise and everything. And then by default, it does seem like with the long red gear and the fact he has long hair is the only real comparisons. It seems like they're maybe trying to make Shota the new Nakamura. They even did like some sort of back suplex move on one of the last nights, and Chris Drama was quick to say, oh, that's a move that Nakamura used to do. So hopefully they don't focus on them too much being like the old like Musketeers, because, you know, Okada, like you said, it didn't get that Musketeer status near to the Naito or Omega, but they still managed to stand out and have great success in the company. And I think it's all thing like they're getting given this moniker, but none of them seem to want it. 
to which well Osprey kind of took it and like oh you guys have been chosen for this responsibility of carrying the company and you don't want it that's fine you don't need a three musketeers you just need one Will Osprey <laughs> and in that block I would also like to mention Gabriel Kidd fucking mm. standout didn't get a lot of wins but my god that man caused so much fucking chaos I loved it nearly fucking died as well when Hikaleo dropped him on his head during the scoop slam well that was awful that was Hikaleo um, going to give it to him once he had the right opponents in this tournament the big man looked good he's putting him through as the kind of the big monster like reminiscent of the likes of what um, Izuka and um, Archer used to be mm-hmm. he thrives there he thrives in that position but he needs the right opponent Uh-huh. Yeah, like they put him in a big spot, like really early. Like he may have entered the first night against Sonada, and like he, he took him a couple of matches to get the wins, and then I almost like didn't notice how well he was doing at times because like he wasn't one of the ones I was focusing on. And I think that was maybe their design because Chris John makes a joke about like he somehow gone under the radar, and he's the biggest man in this block because like he and Shota main evented the last night, and basically like whoever wins this is the second seeds, and they go through. And at that point, I was still shocked the fact that the crowd did come alive towards that finish, but because they seem to be getting behind Hikaleo more and more since the stuff with Jay White, and I think that's what New Japan Soul were trying to capitalise on that stuff they did with Jay. But I assumed that Shoulder was going to go through because you know, it's a weird decision having the three Musketeers in the one block, but not having none of them go through was an even weirder choice in my opinion. Yeah, that's it. To me, if they were going to put one of them through, Personally, I would have loved it to have been Suji, but at the mm-hmm. same time, he's already had his go at Sanada lately. So Shota would have been my second choice. Narita, I just... It's, I, I will draw the criticism. He's like Shibata, but he's less dangerous than Shibata in his moveset, and it kind of hits his character a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared of him. I'm scared of Shibata. Yeah. I mean, it gave kids, though. I got to a point halfway through the turn, I'm like, just have him come out first because he kept attacking his opponent during their engines like just tell him you're coming out first because at least that means he needs to run at them to attack them at least they'll see him coming because you're just basically asking for him to cause trouble at this stage that's it just you know make it happen do the thing (laughs) do the thing (laughs) and Kaito Kiyomiya again he was my other choice I thought like if we talk about some musketeers surely he's going to go through Clearly, I was asking for too much for, in terms of a Noah guy going that far in a tournament. You know, I actually thought he'd be the only one to really defeat Sanada in this tournament, but that didn't happen. But he got closer than anybody, and then just literally, like he was, he was like fifth place, I think, overall out of uh, in the overall rankings of A Block. And so, Jesus, during the final nights, but the Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton were, you know, flying the New Japan flags. You know, we feel sorry for him, but also, you know how. How, how pathetic is that? Basically, they were saying that he didn't even get, you know, he's one of the more experienced people in this block. You know, what are perilous? I know going to say he, he gave it a chance to be in the N1 for this. <laughs> That's it. They just absolutely threw him under the bus. And I mean, I think we talked about it before. We felt he was an, a, a shoe in to get through to the next round to get a rematch with Okada. Mm-hmm. We were wrong. Yeah. I mean, at least put him in Okada's block, even if he's not going to go through, because that's the match everyone kind of wanted 
because uh, he did well like to start off with in the ball. But I think post this Anana match, things just seemed to go further downhill. Like they had Young Lions like break up a fight between him and Gabriel Kidd, which caused that match to go to a no contest. And so he gets dragged to the back, but doesn't come out. So they don't let him come back out. They have just Gabe Kidd sitting there. So they make him lay in, look like an arsehole. So pro wrestling Noah aren't doing him any favours and seemingly neither is New Japan. So this guy cannot catch a fucking break. This man is the Ringo star of Japanese wrestling. <laughs> That's not a comparison I thought you were going to go with, I think. But, <laughs> but like, you know, he was no pro wrestling, no champion, but then yeah, Kevin Kelly and the horse they know, but, yeah, but why wasn't he drawn? And then he was away and they Kevin Kelly that mentioned, oh, you know, some recent N1 cards didn't draw as much, you know. That's because they've lost a major draw with Kiyomir going like, you know, a wee while ago you said he wasn't a draw. Make up your mind. Choose, damn it. And then during the last few days when he wasn't like competing in bullet matches, he said, oh, well, maybe he needs to make a real mark in these last few days before he goes back to Noah. Like, yeah, but you didn't give him anyone of note to make a mark against. You know, he hadn't fighting Tenzon and Wato or anybody, Toriano and one of the... <laughs> And one of the young lions, like you didn't like give him anyone to to make a mark against. <laughs> no, the weirdest thing that came out of his fucking time in New Japan is the fact he's been he was teaming with Rohe Oyua uh, towards the end, and now he and Oyua are going to team up at the ninth third of September show for Noah to take on Ishinari Ogawa and Zack Saber Jr. Come on, the tackles. <laughs> So the biggest thing coming to Kaitumi Kimia coming to New Japan is that Zach Saber Jr. gets to spend a day in Noah. That's all that we got out of this. Zach Saber Jr. being punished for no reason at all. Yeah, but Sonada was really being bigged up. It's about the fact he I think he suffered a legitimate arm injury during the tournament. But lucky for him, he's, it was before his last two matches, and those were his most winnable. Where he fought Gabriel Kid and then Chase Owens. No matter how much Chase Owens bigged up the fact he'd been waiting for this match with with Sonata, there was still no hope that he was gonna he was gonna win it. That's it. Chase Owens, less said the better. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So there you go. That was able B block. I think I said going into it, I thought it was gonna be some of the better matches the tournament were gonna come from this block. And you know, we started off with the semi main events when the Will Osprey's only losses. Uh, in the tournament coming to Taichi, uh, which I appreciated, but then it gave me too much of a false sense of security of how Taichi's run was going to go from here. Uh, Osprey's other loss was only by count out uh, to Tangaloa, but it also means that I think it was also done to create a sense of tension around Will Osprey's, Will Osprey's chances because then he was going to go against ELP. If ELP had beaten him on the final night of B block, they both be eight points, but ELP might have the, would have the tiebreaker over Osprey, so ELP could have gone through. So I think it's done that. Tangle only won to cause tension during the Osprey ELP match. Yeah, that's it. Because Tangle, the ring rust was real. It's a shame because God was always one of the top tag teams, but Tangle really struggled to get momentum in this tournament. But you know. The way you look at the way that block ended up, almost everyone in the middle on six points. Mm-hmm. Okan, Justice, for the great Okan, all hail. Okay. And ELP, ELP had a stellar. His match with Osprey was incredible. Mm. And that was going to be a no-brainer. I mean, ELP, I'm, I'm loving babyface ELP. Mm-hmm. 
he's doing good. I mean, don't get me wrong, I miss him being a shithead that he looked like he was in Bullet Club. But at least he still twists nipples. <laughs> of course. I mean, the match with Okada, he had in the second night of the A block side of things. And then you find out uh, that he, he got a phone call like less than an hour before he went out, that his grandfather had died. And then after he loses again, third match in a row, he lost, he lost to the great Okan. A match was a case of both men are desperate for their first win. Okan wins, but then EOP gets that very heartfelt. I don't even want to call it a promo because, you know, it felt real. You know, we talked about what he was going through, you know, having no friends, thousands of miles from home, having a message his family just after his granddad has died. And he's, you know, went to tell them that he's doing well, but he's actually, you know, not bottom of the block at the minute. Your, your heart went out to him. That's it. The, it's, I, I wouldn't class it as a promo either. It was a genuine, you know, they made they made something out of a, out of a heartbreaking situation for him, but it really, like, the crowd was already behind him. That helped a lot. And then seeing him sort of reuniting with, with G.O.D. and Hikaleo and everything as the tournament went on. Beautiful, beautiful work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, uh, but the Hontai is a safe haven for people who have been former Bullet Club members that got screwed over. That's it. Rather than doing the obvious go to chaos, Hontai has just been... Cause even chaos barely feels like a thing anymore. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, the thing about the, the two finalists for B-Block is that uh, Okada's only loss was against Osprey. So it was a case of like, it seemed like these two were going to go through and Okada's whole thing going into the final night. I think there's, they did a similar thing with Naito going into when they his block final in terms of like, oh, you're going through. Now this is just matches to determine, are you going to be the number two seed or number one? That's it. It was a, a, an obvious conclusion. And Osprey getting the win over Okada. Completing his story. Take note of that, Cody Rhodes. <laughs> I know, and they were playing a big thing about the 20-minute time limit, which I think they attributed to the reason so many A-block matches were going to, were going to draws. But the fact that like, the shortest match between those two was still like like was still over 20 minutes, so how could Osprey not only beat Okada clean, which he's never done, but you know, do it in under 20 minutes, but he managed to do it. I like the gif that's been going around is the counter of the Rainmaker into the diving hidden blade. And Osprey managed to do it. I thought he was going to pull out the Storm Driver, but he, well, he's now called the Storm Driver 93, but he hasn't done it. He's only done it twice since uh, for Bendor, once against Leon Slater uh, at Red Pro Show. And uh, he actually pulled it out against the ELP, which I think really put ELP over. The ELP was kicking out of everything the Hidden Blade, the Oscar, everything. And then he just had to finally, oh, fuck it. Had to almost kill the man to beat him. That's it. It's like, what do I need to do? Murder will be the answer. <laughs> yes, murder is the answer. I mean, between now and then, I would like to see Osprey. I think Osprey's got a couple of different people coming after him. Uh, people who weren't even in his thought, but you know, Taiji deserves another shot at Osprey after his loss back at uh, the New Beginning Tour, given that the game that he beat Osprey during the the tour. But as we as we talk about uh, the finals, we'll know that unfortunately Taiji's got some other shitheads coming after him as well because he is also a champion. But I'll come back to them. Uh, I know we're just talking about the finalists, but okay, and I agree with you. Um, again, another disappointing performance, but I did love how Kieran Kelly in that point put it down to, well, he lost his UK title before here. Like, the loss of that undefeated streak has really rocked his confidence. That's it. There's a, there is a valid reason for the Great Okan, but even if he's not winning in the ring, the Great Okan always wins outside of the ring, as his Instagram streak of incredible posts still continues. 
including my personal favourite, where on the 6th of August he said he was raising the quality of sperm to make 100 children. <laughs> yeah. I think about Osprey before we move on. Is that Osprey thankfully gave Kenta his best match in God knows how long. Or else like Kenta put some effort in, as people seem to attribute. Because Osprey has made out that he was more of a Noah fan initially when he discovered Japanese wrestling because it was available on the wrestling channel, which is why he's so happy to do that match. He's got coming up with Marafuji, and so he got to fight Kenta and let Kenta be himself, be his old self for a little bit. Yeah, because Kenta was the epitome of I can't be fucking arsed with this shit anymore. I know. So, relying so much on fighting in the crowd, the kendo stick, using the defy belt as a weapon. But one of the times he uses that as a weapon is the only, the only reason you remember it, he's the champion of Defy. <laughs> That's it. It's just, why? Who are you? What are you doing? Whatever happened to the old Kenta? What happened to the Kenta we loved? Oh yeah, he went to WWE and just became shit after that. Oh yeah. Well, not even that. He was good when he came back. I think that fucking... I, I think the point you can pinpoint that this new Kenta fucked up was after he got messed up during that match with Tanahashi. He's never been the same. That that is actually a banging point. Ever since that, he's never been. That match was brutal on him. What was it like? Fucking three broken bones and whatever else he took. That was a hellish right. match. He's, I think he fucked his hip up. He ribs also. Anyway. But going on to C block, we have David Finlay and Evil, two Bullet Club members. Finally, enough talking about Osprey and O'Hara coming face to face during that tournament. One of Evil's only losses was against uh, David Finley, where we had, you know, almost the implosion of Bullet Club War Dogs versus House of Torture. So I initially thought, oh, I just thought that War Dogs was the tag team of Gabe Kidd and Alex Colvin. No, apparently it's another group within Bullet Club. It's you got the House of Torture, which is Evil, Yujiro, Show, and Dick Togo. Then you got the War Dogs, which is apparently Coughlin, Kidd, uh, Maloney, Connors, and David Finley. And then you just got the others just milling about. Can't have enough subgroups. No, you cannot. Again, Kevin Kelly tried to ask Chase Owens during the tournament, what is going on with Bill Club? Are you, is Bill Club War Dogs now? Are you Bill Club War Dogs? Are you just Bill Club? And Chase Owens basically just danced around the question. Because he probably didn't understand it. No, I don't think anybody understands it. But yeah, thankfully, Chase Owens and War Dogs managed to put down House of Torture, and I thought that was hopefully going to be the end of Evil's torment of this tournament, but unfortunately uh, it was not. I can't remember who the two losses for for, for Finley were. I know Tamatonga was one of them. I cannot remember who, who the other person he lost to was. God, I'm trying to remember who else did he lose to. So many matches in this last month. <laughs> so let's see. So, uh... So who'd you say he lost his first one to again? It was uh, Tonga, yeah? He lost to Tama Tonga. Uh, Finlay also lost to Shingo. Shingo, yes. Oh, yes, I remember I was so happy for Shingo because Shingo had a rough time of it as well. You know, lost like two like two in a row, I think. He lost to Eddie Kingston very well in a very stiff match, but, you know, I lost nonetheless. And he lost to Hanari, who seems to be his ongoing rival, but... Thankfully, that match in the G1 was far better than that 35-minute snooze fest they had for the KOPW title. This G1 tournament was the tournament where Hanari truly came out to play, and despite not, not getting all the wins, did come out making an impression. Oh, yeah. 
like Kim and Kelly talked about the the process, how that dif- that tattoo differs from like the regular tattoo. And he talked about how painful it was when basically going around the lip. He goes, when I tore my Achilles, it was a two on the pain threshold. Getting that tattoo around the lips is a ten. So in other classes, that tattoo is more painful than tearing your Achilles tendon. So think of that what you will. Yep, and it's it's impressive because I mean that is a, like a real deal. In fact, I think they mentioned it was like it's the first professional wrestler to come out with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so some it's... of these heritage and everything, like, basically, you know, to not, he did, Kuka did kind of jokingly say that, you know, Hanari is technically the real tribal chief. That's what that, that's what that tattoo means. <laughs> Hanari to WWE confirmed. <laughs> and now he just comes at, you know, saying me, Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston, acknowledge me. <laughs> Eddie Kingston. Now there's someone who fucking won the fans over massively. Mm-hmm. Again, dealing with his own injuries seem to be more and more fucked after every single match. Won some of them just be just by hitting you with a back fist. Aye. Let's say something. Eddie and Shingo and Eddie and Ishii after the two of those matches, it's a miracle any of those three people was all standing because my god. And uh, I mean, Eddie Kingston, like, just seemed to be like his journey seemed to be like a few I wherever in the G1 in terms of you know how respectfully was he got to meet his hero in Kawada. He was in that match where fucking they brought out Tiger Tag match where they brought out, brought out Tiger Mask and bloody Tenkoji and all that, and they joked on Kawada, who booked this? Probably Eddie Kingston. <laughs> and I will take more of it. <laughs> I remember being surprised I was happy to see Tiger my friendly come back for one of the last nights like oh yeah remember he popped up again when Old Japan won there Junior Belt and came back and he and Orbeos randomly had a really successful tie team for a while aye that's uh, the, the, the it's just it's incredible <laughs> and I would also like like it to be known that Eddie and Ishii protect them at all costs so beautiful <laughs> so wholesome despite the fact they almost murdered each other yeah. Now, it was almost a bit of excitement going into this, but then the fact that they didn't do it, I was like, oh, yes, why do the exciting thing, you bastards? It was Tangaloa and Shingo went to a 20 minute draw, the only draw in this tournament that didn't occur in the A block, and that left them both on odd numbers Tangaloa on nine and Shingo on seven. So the final match of the C block was. I think Eddie Kingston was still mathematically alive somewhat. Uh, going into it before he lost to David Finley on the last night. But if Shingo had defeated Evil on the last night, he and Tamatong would be on nine points, so they'd have to have a play in match, would have happened right then and there. Uh, that, that would have been, been exciting. Like, imagine the unpredictability of that. Yeah. Whereas, in the case of like, if Evil wins or it goes to a draw, Evil you know, goes through, and they threw fucking everything. In this match, all sorts of house of torture shenanigans. You had, you finally, after ages of single getting screwed over, finally, buddy, Bushi and Suji uh, uh, came out to help him, and then later followed by Hiromu. As much as I love a few Jews, he looked fucking useless here in this run out because, first off, he got quickly taken out by Yujiro, and then he, when he got back in the ring, he got easily Irish swept into the exposed buckle by Dick Togo, like. You're, you're you're half his age and twice his size. You fucking set about him. 
That's it. It just doesn't make sense. It's like, like I've seen Suji go like for a full championship match, but he can't run do a run out without like being made of glass. Who is he? CM Punk. <laughs> and then, and after everything, all the rounds, all the weapons, everything, just nudge the referee so he doesn't see low blow. Everything is evil, and evil ruins everything and goes through. I love how every time it seemed like he was done and the crowd were happy, you see him get he sorted. He did something else nefarious. And with every different attempt that he did, Chris Trotton was getting more sick of it, going, Oh, come on. It's like just fucking end it already. I can't take it. I can't speak. <laughs> I don't like it. Get I don't like it. <laughs> that would die, welcome. It was fucking atrocious, that was. Send him off, Red Shoes. Have you got any bottle? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so Evil goes through, and we went on to the D block, where there, were, there was a three horse race going into last night. I think Naito seemed to be a short thing to go through, but we had Jeff Cobb and Zach Sabre Jr. nipping at the heels as well. I mean, Zach became into play towards the end of the run, but really early on, he started establishing Jeff Cobb with it. Jeff Cobb beat Naito, I think even on the first night of the C&D block. So he would have had the tiebreaker had Naito you know, lost his match and Cobb had won his. But what happens, TMDK stick together. Jeff Cobb got taken out of the running because they were both on the outside right before the 20. He wasn't going to get back thing, but he grabbed onto Cobb's leg. They both get counted out and get one point each. That's it. That was that was some stellar work by Shane Hayes. That you know, and Naito debating changing his hat for Shane's hat. <laughs> that was a beautiful oh, yeah. moment. Oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> that unfortunately, and then the biggest shocker of of that, you know, the teasing Jeff Covey Naito spoilers. You know, in terms of a title shot match, fuck it. The biggest per- first person he should be defending that title shot against is Shane Hayes because Shane Hayes and Corrigan Hall beat Tetsuya Naito. <laughs> Chaos rules. I mean, again, okay, one thing they'll say Zach doing well. I mean, we're it was a matter of time before he became a finalist or at least a semi finalist for the for the G one. The fucking the fact that Shane Haston and Mikey Nichols more than earned their spots across C and D block, they boys came to play. Like Shane Haston earned his place as soon as he came out in that suit at the press conference. Mm-hmm. I'm just still gutted that Mikey Nichols never wore the matching one from Dumb and Dumber to complete it. <laughs> no, he's just he's a straight man as a pairing. You can't you can't have that. <laughs> you, just, you just want to have that moment where he looks and like you know what, Shane. Every time I think you can't get any dumber, you do something like this <laughs> and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> but so. Despite that, Naito went on hell, but he did have a couple of losses to start off with. He wasn't looking good, but he managed to pick up that momentum going forward, you know, beating the likes of Goto, uh, maybe like Goto, and he think he beat Tanahashi in the final night in a very unique finish where he pretty much just dropped him right, Tanahashi right on his fucking head with a sick-looking DDT and immediately rolled into a pin. And it was a proper spike on that DDT. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, oh, that'll compress the spine a little bit. Oh, yeah. That was a rough looking one. But he did, I believe he did manage to get a win over ZSG. That's the one of the ones I'm always looking forward to when they're matched in any kind of tournament. 
because we've seen their person like when they did the last four block one where Zach Sabre Jr. missed out on qualifying because of a loss to Naito and the big rant and went like throwing chairs around Naito I think it was the one where he threatened to whip, take off his skin and wear it as a suit yes that was a beautiful <laughs> beautiful bit of anger ZSJ was at it again fucking love it give us more I think this is like the best that ZSJ has like ever done in a, in a G1 you know, first time he's ever qualified technically for anything you know, being a block finalist I think that plus everything he's been doing with the TV title, this might be like, despite all the stuff he's done, this might be his best year in New Japan so far. That's it, it definitely. Just when I think it can't get any better. He only goes and body, does it? Because <laughs> he's right into the double digits with those TV title defences. You know, he's the most fighting champion. He's popping up everywhere in Ring of Honor. He's popping up in AEW. And, you know, he got to the quarterfinals of the G1, so fucking won the, won the Zack Sabre Jr. Once the stuff with Tai Chi officially ended in Suzuki, he didn't waste time. He's He's gone, as Cameron Grimes would say, to the moon ever since. To the moon! <laughs> so there, there was our eight finalists. And so the semi quarterfinals look like uh, Hikaleo versus Tetsuya Naito, Will Osprey versus David Finlay. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Okada and Evil versus Sanada. Even though I was weird, found it weird that Hikaleo was even in the quarterfinals, each one of those matchup prospects was had their own sense of intrigue. Yeah, um, out of the four of them, the, the, the two that intrigued me the most were surprisingly not Evil and Sanada because Evil is just a bag of shit these days. Um, <laughs> For me, it was Osprey and Finlay because they have had some bangers before, especially before Finlay turned heel. Was it the New Japan Cup a couple of years back that that banger yeah. match? Yeah, yeah, because I think it was 2021 because Finlay got the upset over Jay White but then lost in the semis to uh, to Osprey but then had some stuff in the last year's G1 which led to that match for the US title at Burning Spirit or Battle Autumn or whatever they were calling it back then. Battle Spirit Autumn Thunder Something. Clash. Yeah, when they had that weird face <laughs> run after after Just Robinson joined Bullet Club, he had that face run before he disappeared for it and came back as the David Finlay we know now. That's that that's that is exactly it. So that, that match intrigued me, and Okada v ZSJ intrigued me because if anyone was going to beat Okada, it was going to be Zach. Mm-hmm. So I thought. <laughs> I know they, talk, they talked about like I think the only time he'd done it was at a rare pro, so he'd never done it in Mac- so in New Japan. He's had two attempts, especially after winning the New Japan Cup, because both times he's won that, he's had to fight uh, Okada. So it was very interesting to see what happened there. You know, it was evil tonight. That they've got their own history there, and then there's a weird clash of styles between Hikaleo and and Tetsu and Naito, and like basically the story was he like. Most of Naito's big moves involve him going up on the shoulders, but you can't afford to be up on the shoulders of a guy nearly seven foot tall because he'll, if he gets you up there, you're fucked. Yep. In this case, you do not want to go to the moon. <laughs> I think they did their best for Hikaleo, but eventually Naito kind of outsmarted him, carried him up on the shoulders with a Destino, hit another Destino, and managed to get the win. Although they've really been getting over that sequence of. Scoop slam immediately into the choke, the massive fucking choke slam from Hikaleo. So yeah, take advantage of the fact that he is massive and become like a proper, like a proper big man. He's one person where I can actually see like a choke slam style thing 
being believable because I'm like, yeah, that's a really fucking high belt to go. And for anyone that wonders about it, I have stood beside him. <laughs> the man makes me look fucking small and I'm six foot three. Jesus. Jesus. Stands behind you and you think, Jesus, there's solar eclipse. It's like, why, why, who plucked out the sun? Oh my fucking God. I know, he does, he does have a really awesome job. It does put me in mind of the old school Big Show ones, like when Big Show used to come down with you when he hit the short slam way back in the day. But, well, and to Naito for winning this one, and he, when Naito won this match, I started to think myself, because I couldn't remember who you said you'd picked to, to win the G1, but I remember I, I'd picked Naito on our prediction show, and I thought, I, I'm starting to think my prospect of him winning is looking pretty good right about now. I mean, I know he still had to face Osprey, and Osprey was the other candidate going into it, but I was still very confident in Naito at this point. Yeah, that's like... Naito is very much a, a safe bet for any sort of, like... If New Japan finds themselves in a the bind, they always have Naito, they always have Okada. The golden boys. <laughs> but we then went into... Evil versus versus Sonata. Thankfully, this one didn't close out the show. But Jesus, there was even more shenanigans in this one. But it seemed like at one at certain points, buddy, Sonata was able to fend off Richard Orchard by himself. And like, I know LIG like to let people fight their own battles. Even they came out during his match. Where the fuck was just five guys during this? Taka was probably buried in someone else's wife again. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Just just to recall that old scandal as to why he was put in New Japan for so long. You know, they were probably all we filming some sort of fucking shampoo commercial again. That's where they were. Oh, God, that was hilarious. <laughs> Every time Doki was involved in a tag match towards the end, they always made a Doki like, Doki, he's looking swole and his hair's looking shiny. Swole, shiny. It can only be the Doki Choki. A Doki Choki, Kevin. <laughs> But, yeah, it, this one was painful to watch at times. And then, of course, of all the people, the only person who beat Sanada during this tournament it had to be fucking evil. Of course. That absolute bastard. Fair enough, the old evil came out to play for, like, the last four minutes. Mm. The evil that we used to know and love, the one that put on absolutely banging... What was that tag match in particular? Was it three years ago, four years ago at New Year's Dash? And it was Evil and Shingo against Ishii and Goto? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, because it was like right after Wrestle Kingdom 14, right before the pandemic, because that led to Shingo fighting Goto for the Never Bell, and then Evil finally beat Ishii and that match back when he was still likable. <laughs> Yeah, like I actually, it reminded me of that because I was like, "Oh my god, where has this evil been?" Because he used to be fucking great. He was just a big, big meaty man slapping meat. And to get ahead of the next quarterfinal, we're going to talk about uh, also that led to evil Okada in the semis. And I remember I then thought back all the way back to just the first show we did after the pandemic when we had that few months away. Then they came back with the New Japan Cup, the one that Evil won. And trying to rationalise why evil should win. And like, why it'd be, oh, you know, a nice change of pace, you know, because we even then we're like, you know, can't have another Akata tournament win, you know. Oh, come on, let evil win. No, LIG, VLG, it'll be cool. 
and then he won and immediately turned and the dark days came. We only if only we knew what was what was coming. So just you know, mistakes mistakes were made. We are so sorry. So so sorry about what, what we what we wished for. Please forgive us for yeah, our yeah, sins. See, that is what the phrase "Be careful what you wish for" was invented for. But then, so yeah, we knew obviously Sonata wasn't going to win the tournament itself, and he would also have to lose his summer set a potato match. But I was just skipping myself. Look at the way these the the other like six guys are in this. Why out of any of them did it have to be evil? Anyone but evil. Anyone. Anyone. Anyway, but so uh, yeah, and we, I that he had that bit of old evil right there, which means you can't even complain about that because then he beat him relatively clearly. But then the fact the fact that that I kept fighting with that arm, potentially doing more damage to it. But thankfully, he's got some time off, other than our appearance at uh, Impact Wrestling's emergence on the twenty seventh. But like you were saying that it seems like evil might have properly injured Sanada even further. Yep, Sanada did share a picture of his uh, bicep all kind of covered in ice and that big nasty bruise and the translations from what most articles are saying is a uh, a ruptured tendon in his bicep, but he is expected to be fine for the destruction tour in September. Even if he misses the first couple of days of that, you know, the tour is going right up until like, there's two big like shows and the second one is like the start of October because it's going right through September. So, You'd figure him and defend the title, I assume, against Evil would be the very last match of the very last night. So he can afford to take some time between now and the start of the tour to hopefully recover. And he doesn't have to do with this frame like he did his last you know, singles title in the US title and give it up before he was ready. That's it. It's, it's definitely a case of... It's the usual New Japan thing. Injuries? Mm-hmm. Eh, you can fight through it. Walk it off. <laughs> Yeah, well, good off, good. But then we had a uh, ZSG versus Okada. You know, they really made you believe at points that there's a very sick looking sack driver that he hit. And but when Okada got the win, you know, you could just see the look of disappointment on Zach's face. Like, not a fucking hell again. I've lost to this dickhead. That's it. Just like Zach, it, it, Okada just seems to have this almost undefeatable thing against in particular foreign wrestlers Kevin mm. well, Gilly had made a point that Okada going into the quarters had already lost three singles matches that year, ones against Sonata, Brian Danielson and Will Osprey which is not a bad people, bad people to lose to, like, even you put it over when Osprey beat uh, Okada like, he's the first, probably the first man ever to beat Okada and Kenny Omega within the span of a month but the idea of like, oh, Canada's usually so unbeatable, the fact that he's already lost three singles matches by mid-August, it seems like a lot for him. And Okada's only got this mindset of, I'm done losing now, which is how they trade it. But one good thing I enjoy about this tournament is every so often we saw against Tango, I believe we did see it in, against DSG, Dickhead Okada kept coming out to play. That's it. He's out to play. <laughs> the most interesting version of Okada. And I remember when we found out what they said, this night it was going to be him versus Evil. I'm like, oh, I can't wait for that Okada to meet Evil. That's it, Okada he's Evil. Oh, this is the this is truly the Batman and Joker clash I was always waiting for. 
usually I'd be like, oh, Okada's the worst people. He comes, comes all the odds. And this one, I'm like, yes, overcome all of them. Destroy all of them, Okada. Destroy. Destroy. <laughs> but uh, only you can dis- can get rid of this darkness that has befallen us. But my favourite of the quarterfinals was, of course, Finlay versus Will Ospreay. You know, finally the rules reversed this time with Finlay as the bad guy, Ospreay now you know, in a good guy role. Uh, and it was one hell of a match. I think either could have really went through. You could have made an argument for either, but obviously the right decision was for Osprey to go through because that meant we got Osprey versus Naito. Which, you know what? Osprey versus Naito. Fucking yes. Give him more. <laughs> and it's amazing the fact that when the Easter were in a semi-final match last year, it was a case of like, oh, I can't believe this is the first time these two are ever meeting. And then this is the third time they've done it because then they had a match for the UST, which Osprey won. So now when Naito defeated Osprey here, it was the first time and there were three matches that Naito got the win over over Will Osprey. Yeah, the, the Naito-Osprey match, in particular, that fucking DGT that was hit in the middle of it. Oh my God. Mm. Oh, that was beautiful. Just that counter, I was like, oh. Oh, someone's going to die. Now, I'm not saying this is against any of the block matches, but these quarterfinals, semis and finals, these were a case of there must be a winner, so there was no time limit attached to any of them. So they're allowed to go a little bit longer, feel a little bit more epic. And, you know, they're allowed to slow down at points and, you know, feel the drama in these moments. And that's really became evident here in this semi-final between Naito and Will Ospreay because, you know, Naito particularly was working over the neck of Will Ospreay, which we know he's had issues with, you know, trying to set him up for the destiny, you know, walking in that submission that he's got. But then Will Ospreay, the constant kicks to the face, like the three hook kicks back to back on, on Naito constantly going for the hidden blade. He had his... He had the United Empire run ringside. You know, it was a, they were both really dishing it out as much as they were getting it, but two back-to-back destinos managed to secure the win for Tetsuya Naito here. And World Osprey had an instant plan post-match that he had to do it in a backstage segment. That's like the... The one thing that worried me is that, that finish on that match. It was, a, it was a great match, but the finish... Pretty sure Naito wasn't home. Mm-hmm. I know, and again, like you said, you know, ah, you can work through it. It's like what you're you're unconscious on your feet. You might have a concussion. You'll be fine for the finals. Yeah, they even they even said during the final match that oh, you know, there's a chance that he's got an issue with his eye. You know, because of the way he's kicking him and they were orb- but the orbital socket and the fact that Nigel's actually had issues with his eye before. So, yeah. You let this guy's eye me do a, a, a Vader in the 90s and pop out of his head, but fuck it, he'll be all right. I think there's one or two pictures from like the, the hook kicks that professional photographers got, and oh my god. Actually incredible. The the way Naito's face is pretty much off the skull. Hmm. It's just like, oh wow, that looks a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> and then, you know, what was uncomfortable was how close Evil came to potentially getting to the finals of the G1 because, you know, and how basically, I love just how done with it Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton seemed to be, but it kind of came back from everything that they tried to throw at him. I think Evil had his own version of the Rainmaker. Okada hits a version of everything is evil. That's it. It's like, go on, Okada. Fight <laughs> Evil with Evil. 
it was it was such a good match, such a good effort from Okada, and also you're happy to see Evil lose. That even it was a match that would have made even Stephen Wilson cheer for Okada. That's it, Wilson. You heard it. You would have cheered for Okada, and if you didn't, you deserve a kick to the balls. It was the most baby faced Okada's properly seen in a while, and once he beat, once he beat Evil, I then remembered, ah, now he's fighting Naito. I said Naito was going to win. Boo you again, Okada. Now I don't like you again. <laughs> We're so fickle. Like David Campbell in the draft chat. Fickle. Who would do, you remind me? I can't remember. Like, cause I don't know everyone has all their picks and everything. I can't remember everyone's. Who did, did you have a pick who was going to win the G1 again? I'm pretty sure I did not back you, either winner or the runner. I'm pretty sure I went with my, my heart said ZSG. Well, you got to the quarters, so you were closer I was one-eighth one right. Yeah, you were one-eighth right. Not exactly staying on that, but we can live with it. <laughs> I went with Nigel because I thought he'll at least get, he'll at least get to the semis because I felt like he was, because I remember I was so strongly behind the, after that promo backstage after the, Os- the Omega match that Osprey might win the G1, but I thought now he's US champion and he's got and he's beaten Omega. Maybe they'll have a rematch at some point. Everyone's talking about that potential being at the dome. And it seems less and less like this. I thought, who's the other one that makes sense against Sanada? And obviously, with the storyline of the faction mates and everything, it's Naito plus the whole thing he keeps doing every year. Like, I want to, I want to main event the dome again, you know, because I may not have many chances to do it. That's the. They definitely like Osprey changing the belt as well, which was a mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful move. <laughs> it's pretty, it's the same belt, but it's now got a Union Jack on it instead of the US flag. Because there was that danger. It's like, hmm, Osprey's US champion. If he wins this, though, he either needs to drop the US belt before the dome, but then that kind of devalues him winning the G one. Mm. Or he needs to vacate the belt, which never makes sense in New Japan when you're actively wrestling. So, yeah, they they put themselves into a corner with that one to an extent. Yeah, but as far as us being saying, like, no, I don't have any attachment to the United States and the United States. And he did kind of make a strong point here. You know, who else? He listed all the other champions. You know, Jay Moxley, Archer, Juice. They like, I didn't get. The belt didn't mean fucking anything when it was on any of them, but it meant something when it was around my waist. And when you look at the matches here compared to like the run that you guys had, some of them not being able to defend it for the ages, whereas Osprey was having banger after banger, especially towards the end of last year before the Omega match. And Omega had one match on Dynamite, and between that and the Forbidden thing, when you watch K Omega on Dynamite, you forget forgetting he ever went back to New Japan. Yeah, that's it. The they failed to capitalise on how big a moment that was. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking madness. I know. I mean, they got some goodwill by the fact that the, the sequel was almost as good as the original, or maybe even better, depending on your opinion. The fact that that match with Osprey and Omega for Bender was such a banger helped you know, alleviate some of the criticism, but still, you know, can't deny that there were some missed opportunities there. And... The fact that he's now changed it to the UK title, I'm interested to see where the direction goes here. Is this going to be a long-term thing that becomes the UK title in terms, or is it just while it's on Osprey? Because Osprey did previously describe this the US title as a quote failed experiment 
said, why is it even in Japan? It should be going all over in the US. That's it. It's just, this is a good time to take capitalize. Run with it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited to see what Osbury can do with this. And, you know, this means he's not going back after the world title for a while and he keeps running with this belt as a, as, as a UK belt, then I'll, I'm happy to see what he does with it because it seems like Osprey can make anything work. So at this point in his career. That's it. This is, and especially the way Osprey keeps on talking about his career lately. It worries me. Yeah, yeah, it worries me. So. But then we go into the finals. Okada versus Tetsuya. Tetsuya United looking for his third G1 climax win. Okada, if he had won here, would have not only won it, be the first one to win three in a row, but he would have won five in total, tying the record currently set by the man referred to by Kevin Kelly as Mr. August, the, uh, one of the original Musketeers uh, back in, from back in the 90s, uh, Masahiro Chono, who actually came out to ringside to join the Japanese commentary to watch the match. I think they did this with him a couple of years ago as well. But he was there to watch, see if Okada could make history. Uh, but not this year. It was a... They, they took their time with this one, of course. It's an Okada main event. Of course, they took their time. <laughs> Especially one with no time limit. And this one was long, but epic. And about, oh, Naito has beaten also Okada. He's beaten him in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Also, he got the double gold and everything. But the other times, it's been a case of, oh, he beats him in a tournament to set up a title match. But more often than not, the record is more favoured in, in Okada's favour. So... It feels like Okada is always there to get in Naito's way. Naito wins the G1 in 2013, loses to Okada at the Dome. Wins in 2013, everyone thinks it's his time, loses to Okada again. You know, he beat him multiple times in 2021, I think it was, or 2022. Whenever that period was, I said, can we please stop doing Naito Okada? That's it. For a lot of, like, cause that, that, as soon as I seen it was going to be this final, I was like, oh no. Isn't this just the same old, same old again? Because we had so much of it, we were getting fed off of it, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, know what? We know it's going to be a banger. It's, in my opinion, too, the booking was too safe by the end of it. But, you know what? It's, it's hard to argue against it when the safe booking does pretty much guarantee a great match. Yeah. I think I get what they were going for at Naito and that have a history, you know, he even said that Naito was Okada's first singles opponent in a New Japan ring when he made his debut as a young lion years ago. They have all this history in Naito, but it gets cemented by beating a guy who's always been a thorn on his side. And if cement, uh, finally cemented his dream to go back to the Tokyo Dome. And Naito finally gets the win after seemingly being down out for most of the match. He manages to make that comeback. That every time he thought he was out, he's, he, get, he pulled it back in. <laughs> but I get what you said in terms of it being safe. You know, maybe there's an argument to be made that if they worked around the order of brackets, the Osprey, the Osprey Naito match maybe could have been the finals instead. So I think that would have been fresh because also Osprey's only been a, a one time finalist. And while Naito has won it twice, the time, other than the times that he's won it, he's not been in the finals. Like he has been like close to like block finals or semis, but he's never been in the finals in a year he's not won it. So. You know, it still would have. It still doesn't seem like he's, you know, somebody all again in Naito with a G1 final. But so it would have seemed like two fresh people. Plus the fact that it's only the third time in their entire New Japan career the two had ever fought each other, which is still absolutely unreal to think of. 
Mm-hmm. It's absolutely unreal. But yes, Aito wins, celebrates with... <laughs> celebrates real idea. I love that the, the night before he did the roll call, he got the order wrong. He's supposed to be doing it alphabetical, but he does use Portita at the top. And then he does that, he goes again. And then did the proper roll call the next night. That's it. Give us the roll call. Give us what we want. He's like, he... He went to the Tokyo Dome uh, after winning the G1 twice, lost both times. 2020, he won the double gold dash, but he never got to finish out the roll call because that bastard Kenta attacked him. (laughs) (laughs) And then he went the next year after a pretty lackluster 2020, despite being the double champ because of evil constantly being there and plus the pandemic. He loses to Koibushi the first night and then it's not pretty much an afterthought in the second night because of the absolute banger that Jay White and Kotobushi had. And then since then, he's tried to get back to there, but he's been struggling the last couple of years to get back to that spot. You know, two years ago, he couldn't even finish the G1. He got injured in his first match. So, you know, there's that. And then basically, it's a case of like, I want to finally submit it. Like, yes, I had that time in the G1, but I never got to have the reign I wanted. I will have the reign that I want, but I'll also get to finish out the roll call for all the people who have supported me in the Tokyo Dome main event. And that's it, you know, from a storyline perspective, Naito and Sonada is the Dome match that makes sense. And it's the one that, that I have to admit I really want. I've wanted it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like a match that should have happened already, like, I remember that that New Japan Cup before Evil beats Sonada goes through the final against Okada. It seemed I I was convinced it was going to be Sonada Okada that year and a repeat of the finals from the previous year. But this time Sonada would go through because it always seemed like between the two Sonada was always the more favoured as a singles competitor compared to Evil. But I guess you could kind of say that's part of the reason in kayfabe Evil turned heel that and Okada and sorry no Naito saying it. Oh yeah, Evil's the fourth best heavyweight and. And New Japan and uh, LIG, so which evil probably went. Wait a minute, there's me saying good night. Wait a minute, there only are four heavyweights. That bastard, that is a criticism. <laughs> that sneaky son of a bitch. It's like that, but wait, something was said. What? Slow, he called you slow. <laughs> oh my god, get out. <laughs> also, when evil fought Ishii during the G1, they pointed out that, oh yeah, right before he turned. On uh, LID before the New Japan Cup, he did finally beat Evil. Like maybe that sense of, oh, huh, I finally beat Evil. Maybe I'm good enough. Maybe that was also what turned the cog. So we're trying to find any excuse to explain why Evil became a bastard and betrayed LID, and then just betrayed everyone. Not just LID, he betrayed the fans. We used to enjoy him. Come back, but good Evil, come back. He's gotten close to tournaments and everything. He's had title shots. Remember, he had that title shot against Shingo before and Shingo was champion. Yeah, he was never six-man champ for ages. He was never open-weight champ. So he's had little bits since turning heel, which is probably makes him feel justified in turning heel. Yujiro's just been happy to be there because whenever Evil does well, he seems to tag along, especially when World Tag League comes around. But they were pointing pointing something out during the, the finals, and talking about how they called show a wasted talent did Kevin Kelly and Chris Sean. And like, yeah, because other than the six fan things, like, turning heel has done fuck all for him in the ranks of the junior division. Because, you know, show's done more, Yo, know, who he threw aside, has done more because Yo's actually won the Super J Tag League. I mean, yeah, they didn't win their eventual title shot, but Yo's actually got something more in terms of accomplishments than show does at this stage. 
That's it. Just House of Torture has ruined many people. Then there's Yujiro Takahashi. <laughs> I mean, Dick Dog already had his skeletons in the closet. He was involved in Choppy Choppy Peepee, so he was no lot. He was never a saint. That was a great moment in wrestling history. I will not have that des- desecrated. Celebrated its anniversary not too long ago as well. But <laughs> also, I remember during that match with Shingo when everyone was getting involved, uh, she'll try to set him up for the shocker. And I'm like, ah, remember when these two fought over the Never Belt? Good times. Ah, wonderful times. They were the worst of times. They were the blurst of times. You stupid show. But <laughs> there is some symmetry in terms of like why they would want to do evil versus bad and the idea of like these two, you know, were part of LIG. They were tagged in the tag scene and everything. But in terms of becoming you know, the top guys and their own mind are becoming world champions, that only came after they chose to go their own path and walk away from, from LIG. So there is that symmetry there, which you got to kind of admire there, despite the fact that Evil's involved in it. But, yeah, Sonata versus Naito in terms of a WWE main event, I think it's the best possible option you could get, and I'm very much looking forward to how they tell the story of, you know, the former faction mates, because remember, it was also after defeating Naito in the cup that, that Sonata turned and pretty much looked at the guy who had, you know, been his, his leader, obviously, and said, get the fuck out of my ring. And that's the whole time Naito has played it off as if it's nonchalant. Like he's always kind of been like, well, I always encouraged competition in LIG. And, you know, could we see Naito finally getting rattled? Could we see a bit of passion out of him to try and take the belt off his former protege in the dome? I'm just wondering when he'll ever learn him at the Stardust Press. He, hit it, he tried to hit it both in the Osprey and the Okada match. And he failed both times. Like even when he just attempted it and the Okada like, you haven't even had to, tried to hit it yet, but. Be Chris Strong, like, oh no, what are you doing, you fool? Just don't do it. How many times are you gonna? Maybe he'll finally hit it in that match. But I like to think the idea of you know, Nigel's always all tranquil and everything, trying to make sure make it seem like things don't bother him. But if he wins against Sonada, which I was, I'd be happy with either outcome between these two, but if he beats Sonada in the dome, I like to think he will just look at Sonada and go, Now get the hell out of my ring. <laughs> now get the hell out of my ring and don't come back. A few months. <laughs> but we got some challenges for Naito. So we know evil scenario will probably happen at some point during the direction. But Jeff Cobham, during the backstage comments, posed Naito's win, made sure to get right up in there and say that he would be coming for that G1 opportunity, having beaten uh, Naito during the tour. But hopefully we get that match eventually with Shane Haste as well down the line. Yeah. Like I said, there's been no official announcements yet, but so based on the last couple of nights, this is what here are some feuds that seem to be being set up in New Japan. I mean, initially it looked like the War Dogs were going to go back after the tag team belts, but now it seems like it's going to be TMDK versus uh, Bishamon for the IWGP tag titles. And it seems like uh, the War Dogs are going to be challenged for their strong tag team titles by uh, the unlikely pairing of Hikaleo and ELP. It seems like we're going to get Davis family and Tama Tonga in a rematch over the Never Openweight title. Shaw seems to, for a reason, want to fight Tai Chi for the KOPW Championship, despite the fact that uh, Tai Chi should be going after Osprey in that UK Championship. Uh, but it seems like, despite you know, other people beating beating uh, Osprey, for it, it seems like randomly Suji wants to fight him for that belt. And I would also be surprised if Osprey's match with Shingo at the 
where Pro Match the night before All In doesn't become a UK team, it's giving its a main event match and a big show for Rare Pro in the UK. Yeah, that's there's definitely some beautiful Suji and Osprey. I mean, both of them have worked. I've got history in Rev Pro, and I think they could use that as a kind of point. The fact that you, huge, huge, did have an excursion over here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to think that yeah, huge, huge would be on the card for uh, the show coming up over here uh, at that Rev Pro show, but. Also, randomly, they did a. They've been doing these challenges. They only don't. They don't air them, but they have been doing them. Where they do these like challenges where the young one young line has to run a gauntlet of these up the other young lines, and if he wins, there's like five minute challenges. They win a TV title shot and like two hundred thousand yen worth of this this beef thing that sponsors them. They did a couple of them, and no young lines won it yet. But before the quarter, the semi final night, Bolton Oleg did it and won. So Bolton Oleg is going to fight Zach Sabre Junior at some point for the TV title. <laughs> It's a shame that he's going to probably get pulled apart limb by limb, but it's going to be funny. Yeah, but they will play up his probably his Olympic background to say that to try and make him seem like a threat. I mean, that actually Andretti, he beat you know Jericho and has been given very little sense. But Zach Sirigina made him look like a fucking killer for eleven minutes when he <laughs> had that match with him on Rampage. So ZHA, you know, he's like Regal with the, with his TV tail in WCW. You know, he can get the best matches out of anyone unless you're Goldberg. Fucking <laughs> Goldberg! I always love how he defends himself, and uh, and he's like, like I got asked to go have a six-minute match, be competitive. Like I can't wrestle myself. What do you want me to do? I, I'm trying to think of anything else in terms of like views that were set up, other than the ones I mentioned. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, not not for titles, but it seems like Shota and Ren Narita are going to continue hostilities, both being a trio style and potentially maybe at some point they'll get a special singles match because it seems they're not content with the draw they got in the G1. I hear that Bolton Oleg is potentially going to team up with Alexander and Sergey from the Meerkat adverts as well with a name like that. <laughs> I, uh, also, they randomly started talking about World Tag League during the... Uh, during one of these I mean, final nights and the briefly mentioned, oh yeah, apparently uh, some in the US at some shows Lance Arch has been teaming up with Alex Zane and they want to be in the uh, they want to be in World Tag League they're, they're called, calling themselves Murder Sauce Book it, make it happen Gero we want this Murder Sauce versus War Dogs book it Dana Honestly, if they could get him for World Tag League just going to throw this one out there just while we're briefly mentioning it. Give me the kings of the Black Throne. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Indeed. But, oh, talking about people from me who are in AEW, they seem to be, they've set up uh, Evil versus, not Evil, uh, Eddie Kingston versus Hanari for the Strong Belt. But randomly, from what I've been hearing, it's not going to happen in the... Uh, Destruction Tour, it will happen in the US at the end of October at the Samstown show for Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Ooh, that would be it's interesting, but like it's, it's quite a ways away. Whereas though Kingston has been saying, Oh, I want to fight Defenders on Rampage and Collision and everything, I don't want to just find a new, I want to fight Defender in AEW. And despite Hanari trying and angling on Twitter to get it at the match at Wembley, we need to wait till October at Samstown. God damn it. 
Damn it, Tony. Don't even get started, Tony. I mean, you're looking forward to that absolutely stellar stacked Wembley card. Oh, no, wait, it's not that stacked. <laughs> I mean, it's same record. I mean, there's two couple of key matches that are still to be confirmed, so hopefully they get fucking done tonight uh, on AEW. Because, <laughs> like, Oh, people, the car was to like last week and said, Oh, how are people more about the lack of matches? Like, yeah, but most of them were in question mark or between two people who haven't qualified for a match or, or matches that are just rumored but haven't yet been officially announced on TV. So, of course, people are still going to be annoyed. They still haven't followed up on that whole Jeff Jarrett Gradle thing for a start. But <laughs> if it does happen, I am looking forward to getting to see a six man tag that involves. He put Ibushi on one side and Jay White on the other after the absolute belter that I previously mentioned they had at Wrestle Kingdom not just a few years ago. You know, because the particular match is Takeshita, Takeshita versus Takeshita, Juice Robinson and Jay White versus Hangman, Omega and Kota Ibushi in a six-man day, which will lead to then Omega having it all out instead. I know some people are disappointed at that, but given the people involved, I really would rather sit be there live to see the six-man tag because I've never got to see Kota Ibushi live. I never thought I'd get to see Kota Ibushi live, and now I get to see it. Whereas I get to do my hipster thing and be like, I was there for the first one. Oh, well, fuck you. I done it before yeah. it was cool, you dickheads. <laughs> but then also the fact, even if even if it's against Jericho, we get to see Will Osprey wrestle at a show against Jericho, and you know, if anyone can make fifty plus year old dad bod Jericho uh, look good, it's gonna be Will Osprey as long as Jericho doesn't try and pull any pain maker bullshit. Oh God, please no. <laughs> I remember when I, not. <laughs> I remember when everyone was was. Freaking out when Asuka came back with the the makeup at the Royal Rumble, everyone was going about how cool it looked. How how everyone acted when they saw Asuka go back to the can of face paint was so how Jericho thinks everyone reacts every time he mentions the pain maker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, we get to see in a couple of weeks we will get to see Jay White or the Ken, uh, Kenny Omega. Kota Ibushi and Will Osprey all on the same card, so, you know, shit-bicking aside, uh, I can't argue with that. Getting to see these guys interact with the AEW, getting to see bloody FTR Young Bucks 3 finally, getting to be there in person to see that, and getting to potentially see everyone's heart broken when Adam Cole, and I believe it's going to be Cole that does it, betrays MJF. Who'd have thought it could happen? that MGF could go from the absolute top-level heel to the biggest baby face in one move. But then also we want to make sure we be in our seats before the end of the, the kickoff because before that, those two boys got to go up against the best tag team going today and that's Aussie Open. But honestly, that that is still nuts that Aussie Open are, are going to be there. That's just mm. fucking brilliant. And defending the Ring of Honor tag team titles like we went from the face comments. Oh, they're double champions. Oh no, Davis is injured. Oh no, they're back. And the Ring of Honor tag champs. And they're fighting Cole and NGF. What a whirlwind. An absolute whirlwind, I tell you. Of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So talking about that six man tag, just a brief aside before we go into the junior, but I know we've been talking for a long time, but I've not had a platform to accurately just express this. I know we slagged it off before with Jay's booking when he arrived and 
AEW. But maybe it's because of the inclusion of Collision and their presence on it. But I absolutely love Bullet Club Gold now. I am on all fully on board with the Bang Bang Gang. Yep. Give me the Bang Bang Gang. It's actually making Juice Robinson look entertaining. Look, not making Juice Robinson entertaining. It's making the guns entertaining. That's, that's something. That is they, also true. <laughs> that fucking entrance with all of them together. Getting the card for Jay White when he couldn't be there. Calling them Card Blade or whatever they called them. And the fact that it just appears all the time now. <laughs> yeah, I know. They had to give uh, Juice Robinson a cake because he got left off collision after being on seven weeks in a row to give him a cake to cheer him up. Which I thought was outstanding. <laughs> oh, they managed to get him rock hard again, which I'm sure pleased Tony Storm. Anyway. <laughs> He's now playing the role of 1950s actress whose phone isn't ringing anymore. Marilyn Monroe has lost the plot. It reminds me of like an episode of Seinfeld where Kramer goes to, to Hollywood and he meets this like 60-year-old actress who's appeared in one Three Stooges sketch and hasn't re- acted since. That's what Tony Storm's acting like here. Like, don't go out there. Hollywood will eat you alive. <laughs> don't do it. It's not worth it. Right. Let's get look ahead to the All-Star Junior Festival that is taking place this coming Saturday. All-Star Junior Festival USA, mainly booked by uh, Rocky Romero and Hiromu Takahashi and the card for this is absolutely insane. I will not just in terms of talent but just in terms of what the hell they're actually giving this. Let me explain. Uh, they've got two guys Vinny Pasfiso and Goldie fighting in a kickoff match. Okay. And then they've got this random uh, Junior Festival tournament where I think they said the winner gets a trophy and I'd assume they get a junior title match out of it. The brief four-man tournament where you got Francesco Akira versus Mike Bailey in the first round and Kevin Knight versus Clark Collins in the first round and the two winners will go on if each other later on in the night. Uh, we've got a tag match of Mao and El Desperado taking on Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. Bushi and Shun Skywalker versus Yo and Matt Seidel. We have the Pats King of Stakes Philly Cheese Stake 3 Cup 3-way tag ladder match. That's all. That's a big mouthful. Not just the top of the cheese stick. We got Hiromu and Rocky taking on Doki and Lowrider and taking on Master Watto and Blake Christian. We have a five, random five way match of Forget Wiggas, I think is how he brings it. So Bonero Jr., Casey Navarro, Dragon Kid, and X Division champion Leo Rush in a five way match. We have a Lucky Dip tag match. So there's eight men involved and said tag partners will be picked at random in the ring right before the match. I don't know if that will determine an eight-man tag or like a four-way, like in terms of four tag teams. So, and the eight men involved who we can get randomly selected to pair together are Cheeseburger, TJP, Chris Bay, Ace Austin, Ushinobu Kanamado, Fussy Fujita, Robbie Eagles, and current Impact World Champion Alex Shelley. And I'll say this one for last because one of the participants, I'm shocked, has been booked for this card. And let's see if you can guess which one it is. We have the DKC, Rich Swan, and Ryusuke Taguchi taking on Starboy Charlie, Jack Cartwheel, and Real One, the artist formerly known as Enzo Amore. At this point, I was like, Mr. Hiromu, I'd like to get off the wild ride, please. <laughs> like, go to bed, Hiromu, you're drunk. Like, who thought that Enzo Amore would be a great shout for this card? 
it just sticks her, out. Clearly, Hiromi was a fan of the, that three months that he was cruiserweight champion in WWE before he got sacked. Like, I, I, I can't believe. Like, I still like going around like that's that graphic being sharing. Well, like that's not real. That's got to be fake. Went on the official Junior Festival uh, Twitter account. Nope, it's real. It's real. He's, they were announcing a different person every day. There were so many people, like 30-plus guys wrestling on this show. Like Leo Rush being announced earlier on today at time recording was the final announcement, and then that's when they finally revealed the full card. I mean, one thing to get a bunch of guys, I mean, there's no sort of like guys who are, can be considered juniors and wrestle that style in the U.S. and everything. But then the weird stipulations of random mini-tournaments, ladder matches, random tag matches, like... Horomu was definitely on something when he put this together. Big T. Absolutely big T. No Dan Maloney, despite being one half of the junior tag team champions, nothing to... Really, you wouldn't have had no decision to have a junior tag match or a junior heavyweight title match on this show at all. I can only imagine that he didn't make the cut because Enzo Amore came in. Jesus Christ, when you're picking fucking Enzo Amore over Dan Maloney... Which is not, which is a perfectly normal sentence to say out loud. <laughs> it's totally, totally reasonable, isn't it? Dan, 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 Dan. I mean, I don't, this might be one of the weirdest things to happen in the ECW arena, and that is fucking saying something just looking at this card. But this, this, this is the first night of a big weekend of wrestling this coming weekend because the next night, New Japan and Impact Wrestling come back together again for Multiverse United 2, for whom the bell tolls. And this has got a hell of a lineup as well. Where on the two kickoff matches we got Master Wattle, Rocky Romero, and Taguchi taking on Yuya Uemura, Heath, Joe Hendry. Uh, also we've got the digital media champion Kenny King defending the title against Yoshinobu Kanemaru. On the main show we've got a X Division slash Junior Heavyweight Scramble: Kazarian, Bushi, Mao, Rich Swan, Eldest Brado, Kevin Knight, and Chris Saban. Uh, in a random singles match, but I'll take it. Doki takes on Sammy Callahan, the baseball bat versus the pipe. Uh, it's Bullet Club versus the World, where we have Finlay, Kenta, Connors, Coughlin, Chris Bay, and Ace Austin taking on Josh Alexander, PCO, Tamatonga, Tangolo, ELB, and the DKC. Uh, and a match that's been built as Team DK versus Impact, we have Z- Shane Hastings, ZSJ taking on Moose and Eddie Edwards. In a special tag match, we've got Leo Rush and Trey Miguel. Uh, an X-Division champion team with a former X-Division champion take on Mike Bailey and current junior heavyweight champion Hiromu Takahashi and the main event is Alex Shelley defending his Impact World Championship against Hiroshi Tanahashi that card is actually ridiculously well stacked oh yes there are so many matches on that card that I didn't know I wanted until I got like Kenny King versus Kanemaru didn't expect it, but I'll take it. I'll take it. But he Fujita wrestling on the Super Junior on the Junior Festival card right before he goes on his excursion. He's away to Australia first to team with Robbie Eagles for a while. And then they said he's going on a world tour, so I think they said he's gonna be wrestling in the UK for a bit. Like so I'm sure he's booked for a singles match at the Red Pro show, so we little Fujita is going on a world tour. That's it. it's definitely. I I think the one that gets me the most is the X Division Junior Heavyweight Scramble because Desperado's in there mm-hmm. and Chris Sabin. I know. Yes. Chris Sabin doesn't make the cut for the Junior Festival, but he's here. 
but that was fair enough. Uh, the match, the fact that it was the first match announced that anything uh, was interesting. Me, the match with her old team with Mike Bailey, Mike Bailey who beat him in the junior and the best of Super Junior, still hasn't got his title shot yet. Taking on Leo Rush and and uh, Trey Miguel, Leo Rush has been doing some great work as a heel in Impact Wrestling. The match hasn't happened yet. Uh, I think they're doing a big time match at Maryland, so I don't know when the match is going to happen, but Kushida does have a title defend. Kushida does, has earned a title shot against Leo Rush, so I'm just waiting to see when that match happens. And then you now I think about it like, Kushida's not even on the fucking All-Star Junior Festival, but Cheeseburger and bloody Enzo Amore are. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. What an absolute shit show. Anyway, yeah. Alex Shelley versus versus Hiroshi Tanashi will be excellent because I I was on that media call of press pass with Impact Wrestling to build up to the upcoming UK tour and Alex Shelley is very excited about this match calling saying that Hiroshi Tanashi was his senpai he looks up to him as an example of how a champion should be and so this is a much a dream match for Alex Shelley to get and hopefully it's better than Tanahashi's outing against MGF that's all I can say Oh god, yeah. Anything can be better than that. He seemed to pull it back during the G when it wasn't as bad as we maybe have feared. Uh, when you go on our Twitter account uh, at Suplex Retreat, you can see some uh, highlights I put up from that media call, including when I got to ask Alex Shelley where else they'd like to see him back do a tour, to which his response was he'd love to have them in New Japan collaborate to do a, give an impact full tour of Japan, which I think would also be very excellent. Absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll be more of a preview of the multiverse card tomorrow uh, as Central is being recorded tomorrow, today at the time you're hearing this and you'll hear it probably Friday. So, tune in for more on Impact Wrestling, what's going on there and then of course the lead up to Wembley. But of course, well, one last thing I'll say about the Impact thing is the real main event we know is Doki versus Callahan. Oh yes, that is match of the year right there. Mm. Uh-huh. Again, in terms of talking about a match you didn't know you wanted until you got it, that's it right there. <laughs> I didn't know I wanted it, but now I need it. Now I need it now. It's it's coming this Sunday. This Sunday, but I want it now. Ah. <laughs> oh. I still don't know what night which Snad is going to do Impact Emergence on the 27th if he ends up making it but there's no shortage of people in the Impact roster I can't wait to get and see him face and I don't know if I get back late on the Monday from, from London after all in so maybe I'll watch it the following Tuesday but I'll, I'll wait with Bay of to see what Sanada does in Impact Wrestling It will be something good I have faith in that so the plan right now is to come back at some point at the start of September, talk about Junior Festival and Multiverse United a little, and then look ahead, because by then we'd assume that the matches that we talked about and seem to be set up for the Destruction Tour will have been announced. We'll give a little preview for that and then be back probably start of October when the Destruction Tour ends. Because there's a bit of a gap, actually, between that and... Uh, the Sandstone show, the only thing happens right in the middle of October, because they kept saying, oh, there's going to be a special announcement, the G1 press conference for UK fans, and oh, they're coming back to the UK, aren't they? And of course, they announced that Royal Quest 3, Revenge of the Sith. 
That's not the <laughs> official title, but it should be. Is happening in mid October. Yeah, another company wants to come over to the UK and bloody in 2023, and I'm not against it. Ever since I've made that joke about Revenge of the Sith, I just mentioned a fight on that show between ZSJ and Fujita, like Obi Wan and Anakin. Like, you're the chosen one, dickhead. <laughs> We're supposed to use the tickets, not destroy them. It's over ZSJ. I have the high ground. Ah. From my point of view, can I say the Tories are evil? <laughs> From my so, point of view, George Michael is evil. Well, then you're lost. <laughs> too far, too far. Don't bring up George Michael that way. Trying <laughs> to think of somebody he could use against ESG. Speaking oh, of young lines, though, we'll see. Fujit is always on his excursion. We've had a few musketeers back, Watto, for the first time since his excursions feel like he's himself and everything. People like Bolton Elwig and the Young Lions are getting title shots. Yuya Uemura's been gone for on excursion for ages, especially in Impact. When the fuck is he going to make his way back to Japan? Taking his fucking sweet time, that's for sure. He's too busy pallying around with fucking Joe Hendry, that's his problem. <laughs> he's, looking, he's like, I'm not fucking coming back to their popularity's died, died down a wee bit. Uh-huh. Wait, wait, what? What, musketeers? You promised me I could be a musketeer. <laughs> <laughs> Like, wasn't there a fourth one? They just didn't like to call him the fourth one. That'll be when Yuya comes back. Uh, it's like, uh the four horsemen and JJ Dillon. But he's as much part of the group as them, right? Yeah, so there's five horsemen. Yeah, but the reference doesn't work. It's a four horseman, damn it. <laughs> anyway, we're getting into semantics. There's been so much for us to talk about. My voice is starting to go. My throat is feeling very dry. So we must bid you all adieu right now. Enjoy the All-Star Junior Festival, Multiverse United and Wembley, if you're going to, even if you're not going to, hopefully you tune in, because it's, it's hopefully going to, you know, hopefully the show itself will make us forget about the absolute shitstorm it's taking us to get there. And just remember, when you're watching the All-Star Junior Festival, you will hear the following words, Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> and you can't teach that. that. <laughs> we also can't teach is being Good enough for the sport to go and follow us on all good Android podcasting sites, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, give us a like, rating, or review on your chosen platform. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, follow us at SuperLightRegit. We're on TikTok, I think. Facebook community page, get involved in these fantasy draft. This is our central. There's an episode went up on Sunday a lot later talking about the SummerSlam fallout, and there's going to be an episode recorded tomorrow, hopefully released Friday, to talk about the lead up to Wembley, all the controversy around CM Punk recently, and hopefully look ahead to Multiverse United. And also to us, a Saturday high on Saturday, a show whenever we can get it. Hopefully we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about Multiverse United and Destruction Tour a little bit more. And that has been everything, Grant. Another busy G1 special, not that we expected any different. No, as usual, absolute cram pack, and and we had to cut it down a little bit just to fit the most important stuff in. Otherwise, this could easily be twice as long. Oh yeah, there were so many other matches that happened across that G one we could have talked about a little bit, but there just wasn't enough time to fit it all in. But we got in as much as we could. It's been a very long one, and until next time, tata, and don't be like it's so one more. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.